had a full mind and be present with people like yourself right now here having a nice cup of coffee at three o'clock. My book is Measuring Up How to Win in a World of Comparison. If you've ever struggled with feeling like you are not enough, then I want you to read this so that you can learn how to use comparison to your benefit instead of your detriment. Welcome to the Three O'Clock Coffee Podcast, a place where extraordinary people network together to share meaningful stories that inspire others. Do you have a great story you would like to share with the world? If so, go to threeo'clockcoffee.com and sign up today to be on our show. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to click the subscribe button and tell a friend about the Three O'Clock Coffee Podcast. Well, another afternoon here at Three O'Clock Coffee Podcast. Today I have Renee Vador here at the cafe having Three O'Clock Coffee about some conversations about a fantastic book. And it's about metaphors. And I just love metaphors, but I'm going to have Renee talk to us about this book. But before that, I want to say good afternoon, Renee. How are you doing? Hey, Scott. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing great. But we, we're just we're just ready to order our coffee now. And what kind of coffee would you like? I have to make a decision right now. Either I go with the typical everyday black coffee because I've become accustomed to that, or Maybe I'll splurge and I'll have a nice little frou-frou coffee with the caramel and latte and all of that. So which should I do today? Well, afternoons, I always love the Starbucks version of the caramel macchiato. I'll have one too. All right. Fair enough. Off we go. Um, I tell you, I don't know about you, but I know when I'm in my home office and I'm having coffee, I usually have a, a favorite coffee mug. You got a favorite coffee mug that you like a coffee with? I do. It's large. And it has a picture on the side of it that someone had purchased for me. It was when my son was maybe a year old and he's laying on the floor holding his favorite toy. Why I love this coffee mug is because unbeknownst to anybody else, he's actually holding out a very specific finger in the picture. So when it was put on the mug, I was able to see that. And every time I see that now, I just sit there and laugh at this cute little face and him flipping me the bird. (laughs) You know, I don't know why, but every time I, I meet some great people at my three o'clock coffee podcast and I ask about a coffee mug, there's always an interesting story about the coffee mugs. So I think there's a little bit something about that that nobody really talks about, but everybody has a story with their favorite coffee mug. Uh, great. Hey, so um, tell me about your your in your metaphor. I'm really intrigued. I was up late last night and I I, I could keep my eyes open long enough to, to finish your book. It was fantastic. And I love metaphors. How'd you come up with that metaphor idea? When I think of comparison and I think of how it is something that can either be a benefit or a detriment, the metaphor comes to mind because I think of forward motion in our life. We're on a journey. We're constantly moving forward as long as we are choosing to. But so often we decide to stop. When I put this into a metaphor, I needed something that most people could relate with. And because I'm not really speaking to five-year-olds, I figured driving would be something that most people could relate to. So as we're driving down the road of our life, heading toward a destination, it allows for us to have that visual. Because when we are caught up in driving a car, it's very natural to put yourself in that position and realize 
if I look to the left or I look to the right, I'm going to crash. There is no way for me to drive forward unless I look forward. I can glance up at the rear view mirror and see what's happened behind me or what's going on behind me, or perhaps my past a little bit, if we want to use that metaphor. But if I stare in that rear view mirror, then I am going to crash because I'm not looking ahead. I'm not looking forward toward my destination. So everything about it, and even more that I haven't released yet, really lines up with this metaphor of driving and driving our life as well. I've always used to say, never look through the rear view mirror because you're looking in the past. I think it's a great thing to glance back at because when we glance back there, we're able to learn. We're able to see where we've come from. If we're hurrying out of a bad situation, we're driving away from a fire, let's say, we can look in the rearview mirror and realize, wow, I made it out alive. Look how mm. far I've come. But yet, again, like you just said, if we just, if that's where we're living our life is in the past, we're never going to move forward. In fact, we're going to crash. We're going to be just on a pit stop forever. There's no reason to move forward if we're staring at the rearview mirror and looking at our past nonstop. People that look in the past and they talk about the days of the good old days playing football in high school or their sports and those were the good old days. And a lot of times those people will, those were the good old days because today isn't good for them. And those <laughs> days were good. So they're always going back in the past versus a lot of other people are future-based and they're always looking forward about the good times ahead versus the good old days. That's a really good point. That really goes into my mindset of comparison too. If we are so focused on the past, some people say, oh, just compare yourself to yourself. Well, how can you do that when yourself is something in the past that is not your current or your future? If we compare ourselves to ourselves, but you know, when you were playing football, you were younger, you were at a different athletic ability and therefore if you try to compare yourself to that, you're going to, you're, you're just going to feel like a loser, right? But yet, if you compare yourself to who you are right now and innovate your identity, then you're going to be able to flourish, like you said, in the future. You're going to be able to be future focused and not just living out of the good old days in the past. We can remember them with fondness, but how does that help us if we're only comparing our current and not enjoying what we have in front of us? in your book is about comparison to your life with other people. And when you start living your life in the now, as we are right now, engaging in our conversations, and we're not on Facebook, we're not on this, we're not distracted with other things, as you talk about in your book with social media and all the noise and some of the things I talk about in my book about distractions, but we're living in the now, right now. The past is already just passed when we said hello. And the now is right now. And it's, it shows, it's extremely intriguing to me when you really focus on the now and being with somebody and engaging with somebody in the now. Yeah, I really like that. That perspective allows for us to, to think of what's going on right now, to think of how important it is to be present because if we aren't present, then we're not going to be able to react in a positive way. We're not going to be able to, we're going to carry things that are from other spaces into where we are right now, instead of being able to 
have a full head, a full mind, and be present with people like yourself right now here having a nice cup of coffee at three o'clock, or whether it's something that is needs our attention due to the fact that who we are created to be has a purpose. We're here for a reason. We're here right now at this very moment for a reason. Exactly. I love it. I love it. I was, um, I love reading your book because I've actually used my highlighter and highlighted key points in your book. And I'm intrigued by, you have something called the win method. You talk about it at the beginning of your book. You go into the definition of the acronyms of win, of your win method. Talk to me about that because this is really fascinating to me. I double highlighted it and circled it in your book. Absolutely. I do love acronyms because I struggle to remember things. That's not one of my superpowers is to, to have a great memory. Therefore, when I think of the fact that every person was created to win, but sometimes we are choosing to lose, this acronym helps me remember to win. And while I use it in the book for comparison, it's something I've been able to use in most aspects of my life. So you can take it and run with it however works for you. But that win, the W, stands for weigh your cost. When you are up against a situation, perhaps you realize that there's a business partner that you're super jealous of and you're looking at them realizing, oh my gosh, or maybe another author or another another person in your life and you're just like, I wish I could be like them. And you realize those comparison thoughts and you're not being yourself anymore. You need to weigh the cost. What is it costing you when you are comparing yourself to someone else? Comparison is not all bad, but weigh the cost. When I weigh the cost, typically I find that I am trapped by fear. I don't want to move forward. I find costs associated, even sometimes with money. I go out and buy different things because you want to keep up with the Joneses. I want to do different achievements. And I realize, oh, I'm not being who I was created to be. Instead, I'm trying to be like someone else. So weighing these costs is what I want you to do with that W. And once you realize it's not worth it, that it's too expensive to allow comparison to have control over your mind, then let's go ahead to the I. That I is innovate your identity. When you were born, you were created with your own identity. You have your own fingerprints. You have your own mannerisms. Those are all part of who you are. We're not talking about the fact that you're male or female, that you're, you're sexual orientation, nothing like that. But who were you created to be as you? And that changes, just like we talked about the past we were someone different in the past because we innovate over time. We become more of the journey of who we were created to be. So innovating your identity means that you are able to look at who you are and measure up to that person. That's the only person that we need to measure up to. I'm too busy being me to be anybody else. Right? <laughs> you should be. You should be busy being you. That is the person that you should be. So once you are able to identify who that person is, then you can go into the end, which is navigate your journey. Oftentimes people skip right to this. 
if you read other books about comparison or how to stop comparing, which is impossible, by the way, you're going to have this idea of behavioral modifications. You're going to have people telling you, okay, well, just don't do this and make sure you do this and change this. Here's the point. It's important to have those behavioral modifications, but it doesn't do anything long-term if you have not already weighed the cost and know that it's important and innovated your identity and know who you're going to compare yourself to instead. Because otherwise, you're just making all these changes and you're going to continue down the road of comparison. So navigate that journey. Make sure that you prepare your way so now that you know who you are, you're able to move forward and focus on your destination. Uh, we talked before the beginning of our, our meeting for coffee outside the cafe about living a minimalist life. And I think that is very, I don't want to use the word trending, but more of a lifestyle how people can appreciate. They appreciate their time living in the now, not being surrounded by stuff, right? I agree. I don't like stuff. And while it does find its way at times into my life, it gives me the opportunity to start to eliminate and minimalize it. So that is an ongoing thing, I think, especially for those of us in the United States, I would say. Many of my friends in other countries aren't struggling as much with that same situation. And I'm a little envious at times. Yeah, right, right. Hey, if you had, let's let's just assume we have, I don't know, 100 million listeners here on this podcast. And honestly, if we have one or, or one million, it doesn't really matter. But if we have 100 million, and perhaps one day I will, not that I'm looking forward to the future here, but just goal setting, what's the one thing that you would like the listeners to really take away with today? They're listening to this podcast, perhaps in any time. What's a snippet? I call a snippet or an outtake that you would communicate to the listeners that they can think about all day or maybe all week. Wow, there's a wonderful stories to go along with this. I'm going to give you a very concise snippet. I want you to be who you're created to be so that you can do what you're designed to do. That way you can win at your life and make your impact in the world. Hmm. Yeah, so many people are so busy trying to be somebody else that they never really live their own life. And so many people are too afraid to do what they were created to do. And therefore, they are stuck and they're just living a mediocre, mediocre life and not moving forward and actually winning. And they're not making an impact. And that's what we're here to do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because some people they just have a natural knack for it, right? So they are in spreading the word of, of just being who they are. And, and if you're more self-aware of other people around you in a positive way, we'd have more positive people. I agree. I think that that personal development, that self-awareness, mindfulness comes from allowing ourselves to explore, allowing ourselves to fail and failing forward in such a way that we have safe places to land. If we don't have that community, if we don't have the ability to let go and explore who we are, and what's, what we're good at, our talents, then we're not going to feel safe enough to actually become or have that personal development and that self-awareness. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's another word of the year I've used is self-awareness. And I, I got a new puppy. His name is Willie. And uh, he may make it in my next book, Life with Willie. But it's really interesting watching my puppy grow more than it has ever. Um, because I really believe Willie versus other my other dogs, which are other people, and everybody has a different personality, but he's so self-aware. And the first time he sees a bird, it's like, wow, what is that? Uh, you know, when you really identify the dog and he's, he's, he's seeing things for the first time in his life and he's so self-aware of those things and you can actually, you, you can see it happening in front of you. It's really interesting. And perhaps it's because I'm getting a little bit older or perhaps, you know, I've been home a little bit too long with quarantine, but <laughs> I'm able to really focus on, on Willie on the things that he is so self-aware and it's the small things that he is growing as a as a puppy into a dog, and they dogs grow faster. They say dog years, right? <laughs> and it goes by so fast, and he's so self aware. You hit on a really interesting point of being less busy over the time period that Willie has been growing. I find myself as a parent of now two teenagers that was a young twenty one year old parent of a infant and a less than two-year-old, <laughs> both in diapers. And I remember those days as oftentimes wishing it away, loving some of the little moments, but not having that self-awareness to be able to recognize how fast time does go and how it's okay to be in the moment instead of always looking ahead and wishing for the next thing. Now I look at life like you are. I feel like it's less of the tyranny of the urgent and I'm recognizing how fast the time goes. Teenage years are kind of like dog years, I guess. <laughs> when you yeah. look ahead, you realize you only have two more years with this six foot three amazing boy and a few more years with this 14 year old girl who is becoming a woman that you can actually enjoy and talk to. And I'd imagine it's the exact same thing with Willie. It's like, you're watching them grow. You're watching them discover themselves. You're watching Willie be able to do new things and sit back and recognize his intricate personality instead of just seeing the, the frantic craziness of, okay, let's hurry. We got to go somewhere. I've got to get out. Let you out real quick. And then I got to run to the office. You know, having that distraction-free time of being home in quarantine, I'm sure has been an advantage for many of us. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a big um, change in the world in the future. I call it the um, the ripple effect. I made it up. I'm taking it. I own it. Um, but I call it the, the ripple effect because the way we communicate on Zoom, as we all know, and the way we're communicating today is over Zoom, where we can create these podcasts and create an audience and create people that, that are self-aware of new conversations and learn seven times faster seven times meaning dog years um life slowed down and i think people really appreciate working from home and they can be just as productive and they can save time and live a life that they're meaning to live i mean do we live to work or work to live oh yeah hopefully it's we're actually living our life and not just working in a way finding our passion finding what we enjoy so that we can enjoy our quote-unquote work but still make a living obviously yeah, I believe writing a book 
does help you to analyze and be more self-aware. It helps you to recognize and really evaluate those stories, evaluate what's going on in your life and also what's going on in other people's lives because you're thinking of your audience. You're thinking of what do people need to hear? And now that you're home and you're able to write that book and you're on book two, right? Um, three. <laughs> three. Ah. Okay. Slowly releasing them. Slowly releasing them. <laughs> Being um, on but, book three means you're more self-aware. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, I really am. And, and it's interesting. You, you touched upon a good point about writing a book and, so many people, I, I, I did some research. I believe only 1% of the population that says they're going to write a book actually writes a book, which I thought was really low. And so many people will, will say, wow, you wrote a book or they're, they just, their eyes light up. And I'm like, why? It just seems so natural to me that I've always wanted to do this and I finally have the time to do it. And so I did it. It's that simple. So I, I, I did it. But what was more important in the process of just wanting to write a book was the lessons that I learned for myself. And it didn't matter if I sold one book or a million books, because I believe by writing that first book actually changed me. Talk to me about that, because it's probably the same for you. Absolutely, Scott. I believe the same thing. It changed me in such a way that I had to live out the win method. I had to win. I had to live out what I was teaching others in the book in a brand new way. During that time, talking about comparison, of course, writing, measuring up, I was sitting there in front of many other authors who were doing it faster, who were getting their books out there to people sooner. And I was stuck in my own mind, struggling to get it out. Part of that was also because I was going through some major sickness at a certain time of that writing period. And what's neat about writing is that it taught me in writing that book that this win method is not just something that I've had in my head this whole time that's been working. I had to live it out in a brand new way through writing that book. And it taught me, wow, it is so powerful. It's going to help people. And getting it out there proved to be true. It does. So that process is one of the most life-altering, I believe, processes that I've gone through because it took me a long time. And I had to live out that comparison message. A little bit of a giveaway, just for those who have already read the book will understand this. But I actually had written the book already. It was completed before going through that traumatic experience. What I was able to do, though, was to take those moments of difficulty that had transposed recently and literally put in just a few paragraphs at the end. And it was the beautiful wrap-up bow to something that I had been going through for so long and didn't even realize. Hmm. It was beautiful. It was something that helped me to experience the book and experience the message more than I would have ever thought was possible. Every time I'm at a cafe and I see somebody writing on their laptop or their computer, I always wish and I hope they're writing a book because... 
it really does transform yourself more than anybody else. A little bit back to coffee, because I got a thing with coffee. Do you find yourself having more coffee in the afternoon than in the morning? I'm going to be honest with you. I like coffee. I love coffee. But I've made sure I'm never addicted to coffee. So I do not have to have coffee every day. And I don't actually drink it every day intentionally. I reserve coffee to be something that is when I want to conjure up those that feeling of getting something done and enjoying what I'm doing, enjoying my work. So when I was writing my book, I had coffee every time I was writing. That's what I use coffee for. So afternoon, I can have it and there's no problems with sleeping later. But no, I do not have coffee every afternoon or every morning. But I enjoy having coffee with you and having it in social moments like that. I do. I do. Me too. Um, but I enjoy meeting people and people like you that get to spread good words. And I honestly believe that I've actually learned more from meeting people at 3 o'clock coffee um, with people that have been all around the world. And I love sharing people's messages. And uh, you have quite a message. If people want to get a hold of you, give me your commercial, your 30-second commercial. Where can they buy your book? Tell, tell me, I just met you. We're in line at the cafe. Oh, you wrote a book? Tell me about it. Give me the pitch. <laughs> My book is Measuring Up, How to Win in a World of Comparison. If you've ever struggled with feeling like you are not enough, then I want you to read this so that you can learn how to use comparison to your benefit instead of your detriment. You can go find it at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, anywhere books are sold. But go take a peek at it. And you can find me at reneevador.com. I'd be happy to connect with anybody who is interested in having coffee or having a glass of water is fine too. Wow, what perfect pitch. And now it's ready for our turn because I'm ready to order another cup of coffee. Renee, thanks so much for meeting with me. I really enjoyed the time. I think I could talk all day about self-awareness and measuring up to other people and, and living in the now. Um, but right now, I'm just enjoying my second cup of coffee as I go on to enjoy the rest of my day. Enjoy your day. And for everybody listening, focus on the now. Right, Renee? Focus on the now. Don't compare. Be who you're created to be. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Frenet. Appreciate it. And uh, hey, let me know if um, if those mugs go on sale that you have at your home. I think you have a great product there. I'll definitely let you know. Thank you uh -huh. so much, Scott. This has been a blast. Awesome. Do you have a great story you would like to share with the world? If so, go to 3oClockCoffee.com and sign up today to be on our show. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to click the subscribe button and tell a friend about the 3 O'Clock Coffee podcast.